Before we begin this week, we wanted to share another podcast with you. Brought to you by hosts Mitch and Justin. Carpool shenanigans are the weekly ramblings of two people on their way to their 9 to 5. With topics ranging from, well, whatever the hell they want, they bring you comedy from the front seat, as well as the back. Tuck away the kitties for this one, because there's about to be some language. We're going to shoot their trailer at you now, and be sure to check them out on most major podcast platforms. Here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Carpool Shenanigans podcast. I'll be your host, Justin Wallace. With me, as always, is the man who took on a herd of stampeding buffalo with nothing but his erection, Mitch Glasgow. What about the other employees on the plane? Well, they should have picked a different airline. <laughs> guess it's a pretty easy choice for employee of the month now, isn't it? I mean, so let me ask you a question. Would you would you eat a baby? <laughs> so we can have koala bears being strippers, but glitter, way too far. Yeah, yeah, you're taking it too far. What the hell do you think this is, Care Bears? <laughs> when geese have sex, they die. Oh, I mean, at least the one I had sex with. Uh, <laughs> look hard enough, you can find us underneath your bed. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere you can think of, we are out there doing some podcasts. The great state of Texas is home to numerous historical sites. From the Alamo to the San Jose Mission, the largest state in the U.S. has a rich and often tragic past. But for one sleepy little town, their claim to fame could possibly hold the answer to the question, do aliens from outer space really exist? Based on first-hand accounts and news articles of the time, the residents of Aurora, Texas bore witness to an amazing sight in 1897, a story that, if proven true, could provide conclusive proof that flying saucers, as well as their extraterrestrial occupants, are in fact real. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Supernatural Tendencies podcast, and be sure to stay tuned till the end for this week's Musician Spotlight, featuring the band Overdrive Orchestra. I'm Alex. I'm Christina. And I'm Christy. And this is episode 38, the Aurora, Texas UFO Crash of 1897. Texas is just like any other small town in the U.S. With a population of just over 1,400 people and covering an area of only 3.7 square miles, it was once the largest city in Wise County. Nestled between the cities of Rome and Boyd on Highway 114, its numbers garnered around 4,000 residents in the late 1800s, and it was during this time that they would find themselves privy to possibly the first physical evidence to support a UFO crash on our planet in modern times. Labeled as a town that almost wasn't, Aurora saw the end of the 1800s as being plagued with seemingly endless bad luck. The railroad, which would have brought both commerce and goods to the community, was instead rerouted around it, leaving many no choice but to close up their already suffering businesses and move on. 
and a recent boll weevil infestation left crops withered and dying in the fields surrounding the area. But on April 17, 1897, the Dallas Morning News ran a front-page story that would plant the sleepy little town firmly on the map, and giving the field of ufology a case that reeks of conspiracy, cover-up, and mystery. The late 1800s saw a number of reports of strange objects spotted in the night skies across the United States. But according to eyewitness accounts, one such object flew directly over the town of Aurora before crashing into a local farmer's windmill. In an article written by S.E. Hayden, a reporter for the Dallas Morning News, details the following. Quote, the early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which had been sailing throughout the county, Hayden wrote. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order, for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour, and gradually settling toward the earth. It sailed over the public square, and when it reached the north part of town, collided with Judge Proctor's windmill, and went to pieces with a terrific explosion, scattering debris over several acres of ground, wrecking the windmill and water tank, and destroying the judge's flower garden. According to Hayden, the ship was, quote, built of an unknown metal, resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver, and it must have weighed several tons. He wrote of the corpse, quote, the pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one aboard, and, while his remains are badly disfigured, enough of the original has been picked up to show that he was not an inhabitant of this world. Discovered on the body of the extraterrestrial were papers with strange hieroglyphic writing on them. It was also reported that the alien creature was, after being viewed by both residents of Aurora and surrounding communities, given a proper Christian burial in the local cemetery located on Cemetery Road. Surprisingly, the story saw little fanfare and was soon forgotten by outsiders. In time, as generations passed and the story was retold, it was relegated to being that of just a legend. But on May 24, 1973, the United Press in- Press. Fuck it, I just read it. Fuck me. Okay. But on May 24, 1973, the United Press International renewed interest in the story by publishing an article that detailed an effort spearheaded to exhume the reported alien body buried in the Aurora Cemetery. Quote, Aurora, Texas, UPI. A grave in a small North Texas cemetery contains the body of an 1897 astronaut who was, quote, not an inhabitant of this world, according to the International UFO Bureau. The group, which investigates unidentified flying objects, has already initiated legal proceedings to exhume the body and will go to court if necessary to open the grave, Director Hayden Hughes said Wednesday. The story was now front-page news around the country, and people from around the world flooded the small town of Aurora, hoping to catch a glimpse of a spaceman from Mars, or the Martian, as the alien body was dubbed. Supporting the mystery was the first-hand account of someone who claimed to have witnessed the UFO craft that flew over Aurora that night. A 91-year-old woman, who was 15 at the time, said her parents had visited the crash site, leaving her at home for fear of what they might find. She recalled them describing the creature as being the size of a small man, and having been buried in the Aurora Cemetery, lending credence to the initial story. Reporter Jim Mars uncovered yet another witness who also revealed that as a 10-year-old boy, he too had seen the strange craft that flew over Aurora in 1897. 
While initially reluctant to get involved with the recent inquiries into the events of that April morning, 83-year-old Charles C. Stevens was eventually persuaded by Mars to share his experience. Young Charlie had been with his father, tending to the family's cattle, when they spotted a cigar-shaped flying craft passing very low overhead while emitting a bright light. As the ship moved toward the town of Aurora, a loud explosion could be heard, and the object then glowed with fire, crashing to earth in the distance. Quote, I wanted to go immediately and see what happened, but my daddy said we had to finish our chores, he recounted to Mars. The next day, Stevens said his father went into town and viewed the debris, as well as the mysterious aircraft. Deciding to have a look around the Aurora Cemetery, Jim Mars was able to locate what he believed to be a shallow grave of the alien pilot, marked by a crude rock headstone that was half broken. Etched on the portion of the rock that remained was what resembled, quote, one end of a saucer-shaped structure with small circles that appeared to be portholes. Mars noted that the grave was definitely smaller than one that would hold a normal-sized human, comparing it to more of a size of a child. Fellow journalist Bill Case scoured the area over the grave using a metal detector, and he discovered three large pieces of unknown metal. By now, the Associated Press was on the story, publishing an article coming out of Denton, Texas, citing even more possible proof that a UFO crash and recovery had indeed taken place. Quote, a North Texas State University professor had found some metal fragments near the Oates gas station, formerly the Proctor Farm. One fragment was said to be most intriguing, because it consisted primarily of iron, which did not seem to exhibit magnetic properties. In an effort to once and for all settle the mystery, a petition was filed against the Aurora Cemetery Association to exhume the reported alien body. However, the motion was denied, and speculation still circulates as to why. Bill Case later returned to the gravesite, metal detector in tow, only to find that the grave now contained no detectable metal, and a metal pipe was now inserted into the ground where the stone marker once was. Recent ground-penetrating radar has shown that a shallow grave does in fact exist in the area where the alien pilot is buried. However, the Aurora Cemetery Association remains steadfast in their refusal to allow researchers and ufologists to further investigate the site and exhume the body. It's interesting to note that at the time of the initial crash in 1897, military personnel were reported near the area, and to this day those reports continue. Many feel that both the crashed spaceship and the mangled extraterrestrial body were taken to the nearby Fort Worth military base, where coincidentally reports of later Roswell evidence are also housed. Conspiracy theories aside, one man has an even stranger explanation as to what could be the source of what residents saw on that April morning in 1897. In his book published in 2004 titled Solving the 1897 Airship Mystery, Michael Busby claims to have well-researched the facts of the story. He proposes that instead of ETs, that a secret society of airship builders are to blame. Busby details that in the 1960s, a strange series of drawings created by artist Charles August Albert Delschau surfaced in a Houston antique store. Delschau was reportedly a member of the Sonora Aero Club, which was based in California in the 19th century, and responsible for the building of extravagant and sophisticated wooden aircraft. Was the small town of Aurora, Texas, the final resting place of a crashed alien being from outer space? And could the military or other behind-the-scenes agencies be covering up the story, squashing any hopes of exhuming an alien body? Or maybe the whole story could be nothing more than flying wooden structures, controlled by some unknown or undocumented energies, 
built by a secret West Coast group of builders? We may never know the answer, but one thing is for sure. The residents of Aurora saw something that night. Something that closely mirrors the event reported in Roswell, New Mexico, almost 50 years later, giving rise to the field of ufology and the search for solid proof that we are not alone in the universe. A historical marker can be found at the Aurora Cemetery, declaring the site a Texas historical landmark. We're on the countdown. And here we are. <laughs> that was here fast. we are. That was a fast countdown. There we are. Oh, they could see the video though, right? Yeah. Well, all right. I, well, about halfway through, I totally forgot. To that's all right. For our audio <laughs> listeners, we're going to start doing it for you right now. Uh, we uh, had some issues last night. We recorded our first uh, midweek mischief segment, and my mic didn't pick up. Um, I had to do some hardcore finagling on it. Uh, audio doesn't sound great, so when you hear it this Thursday, bear with me. We're still working Forgive. through it. Uh, we figured out part of the technical side here, uh, except now all the computer noises. My mother is just now informing me that whenever she would play music, she would just play it through her speakers and allow her microphone to pick it up, which is not the way I want to do it. It should be routed through the interface, and the interface should be essentially used as the computer sound card. I Evidently, that didn't happen for this intro music. So whoever was in the live for today probably sat through a bunch of, not silence, because it's just us talking, but obviously no awesome intro music. They just had the lackluster not lackluster but like without wow. the music without the music it's kind of lackluster <laughs> it's like really isn't that great to begin with you yeah. know i'm just yeah kind of throwing it out there. yeah anyway hi welcome to today's show supernatural tendencies podcast as the live uh viewers may be seeing we have an uh, we have a guest with us today uh we're testing out i don't know if i like her or not a new co-host <laughs> Well, she's family, wow. you kind of gotta. A new co-host, her name is Christina. Uh, please help me welcome Christina to the show, her very first Round one. Round of applause. Round of applause. Christ- Christina just made the blatant mistake of, of accepting an invitation onto the show. So We were like, hey, you want it? And she's like, sure. <laughs> That's the interview process here at Supernatural Tendencies. That's about how it goes. Uh, Christina, just real quick, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Um, Christina, I am... 26 i have my own little paranormal group we're starting up finally uh a few of them are probably in the comments oh nice yeah um we're still new we just figured out a name for the group what is it it is altered perceptions Ooh. uh christy actually helped me figure that out (laughs) so um we still have yet to create a web page but some brown on your nose we're getting started (laughs) (laughs) good so I gotta so, share this to my page. So, out of out of your group, are you the more are you more like apt to believe in the paranormal? Or are you consider yourself more of a skeptic? No, I believe in it. Okay. Fully, 100%. <laughs> oh, no, no, that shit's 100%. real. One hundred percent, it's totally real. <laughs> we have a couple skeptics, but hey, at least you're honest. Yes. Okay, well, you need. I think you need those in a, in a well balanced group. I mean, if you just have all believers, and sometimes, <laughs> thank you. Uh, if you have all believers, sometimes I don't. I don't want to step on any toes, but it could be uh, more apt. To have more, um, how do you say it? It's good to have the balance yeah. of having the people who just automatically don't jump to something like that. Um, but then you have the other side who is passion and passion driven enough to to continue doing it and continue keeping people out till three in the morning, maybe on a, yeah. On, yeah. A, <laughs> on a trip, right? So anyway, 
So uh, what do we got for this week? Oh, we got our shout outs for this week first off. And I didn't forget about it, even though you had to write it down. I did not. Uh, Jeremy Traxler has done some work for us this week. I was just going to say I want to give the shout outs. First, I want to I want to give a shout out to Tristan, my sister. I haven't been able to get on. Okay, go ahead. I've been like overly swamped, <laughs> sis, for the past couple of days. But we're going to catch up. <clears throat> okay, tomorrow. so uh, is that all? That's all? That, that was your shout out, really? You could have said that via message. <laughs> Anyway, Jeremy Traxler, though, high and above anybody that needs a message, man. We, he invited just butt-tons of people to the group. I think I, last time I counted was like 23. Wow. You're so, awesome, Jeremy. Thank you. So that was fantastic of you, and we are muchly appreciative of it. So fantastic on your part. Thank you. We want to give a shout-out to Jordan Holman also. Uh, if you guys joined, uh, if you listened in on the podcast last week, and you are from Northwest Ohio, we have a young lady right here from Finley. And, uh, oh, and I don't have that up, darn it. Uh, but Jordan is a young wife and mother who is suffering. Uh, she needs a liver, I believe it was a liver transplant. And unfortunately, with COVID and everything else, uh, her insurance was canceled. So in order for her to reestablish her insurance, that's the only way she can get a liver transplant. So we're trying to pull money together through using a GoFundMe to make that happen for Jordan. So if you're able to donate, even if it's $5, it would be so very appreciated. So if you would like to join, or like if you would like to donate for that, you can find the link on our page, podcast page here, Supernatural Tendencies Podcast, on Facebook, and it is pinned at the top of the page. So you can read Jordan's story there, see her beautiful picture with her little children, and... Uh, the link is right there for you to donate. So please do. Yep, if, if you could you find can. it, yes. if you could find it in your heart. Um, I know times uh, are still kind of tough. I think we're, I think we're coming out of it just to here. I think places are opening back up. Uh, but uh, yeah, like like we said, if you can find it in your heart to donate anything to her, I'm sure that that family be, that family would be much appreciative of that as well. So yeah, most definitely. Yep. Thank you for hearing that one. Do we have anything else on the house cleaning agenda? Uh, I think that's it. Christina, do you have anything on the house cleaning agenda? No, but I think you basically covered it all. All right. Yeah. I tried to. <laughs> I tried to cover it all. Don't feed his ego. Oh, yes. Because just... let me tell you, his ego does not need fit. Oh, that's mean. Oh. Oh. Oh, that hurts my feelers. Oh. My feelers? Oh, that hurts my feelers. Anyway, let's get down to the down and dirty today. We're bringing you another UFO case, and it's back to Texas. That's a good one. Trista. Back- it's in Texas. Pay attention. <laughs> maybe maybe Trista could tell us because I'm not exactly sure of the landscape of Texas. I think Houston's over on that side, the eastern side. And I think El Paso's over on the west side. And San Antonio's down south, maybe? I'm not... I don't know. Maybe. Well, when I was doing the script, I tried to, to kind of look and see where... But I had, like, no lie. I had, like, four or five maps brought up. And it seemed like Aurora was, like, in different places. It moves. So wherever Aurora, <laughs> Texas is... Some stuff might have happened in 1897. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, not only were we going back to Texas, but we're going back in Wait time to 1897 for a fantastic, well, could you consider a fantastic UFO crash? If an airplane crashes anywhere random, would you consider it fantastic? I think a UFO crashing in itself is fantastic. Really? But when there's a possible UFO body... That, that came of that crash, I think that elevates it to... Would you say the same of, like, an American Airlines flight? Man, that was great. Did you hear that about that last weekend? American Airlines 101? No. Boom! Right oh, down the middle did there. did it really? Yeah. 
No, no, I'm just saying. Oh, you, he's just saying. Oh, you, oh, I thought you were legit. I'm like, well, that's no. terrible. Would Here, you Trista say that? says it's El Paso. It was over and down a little bit. That was close. That was yeah. closer. I don't think it's a very big town. Aurora? Aurora. No, yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, because I think in the script, it, uh, it had like 1,400 members. I think that was as the, members? Or uh, members. <laughs> residents. But I think that was of like the... Uh, 2010. Like, I'm sorry, census. sir. You're... So that's really 10 years ago. So, you know, it could be like a bustling hubbub now. We really don't know. So you're coming into uh, Aurora Township. We're going to need your member card. Hand do it you, over. Do you have that card on it? Well, you, know sir, anything about, to... you know anything about the crash of 1897? All right, go. Go on, go. go. Sir, I'm going to have to turn you right back on around until you get that membership card back. Anyway, so again, back in time to 1897 to a reported UFO crash. Reported. So I... Reported. As we're apt to do, as we're apt to do, we kind of give you a little little scoop beforehand here. Uh, Aurora, Texas, small town in the U.S. I like how you say that. Yes. What? Aurora, Texas is a small town in the United States. That's like a third grade level, like, point them out. Like, there's another Aurora, Texas somewhere around the world that could be mistaken for. I'm going to jump. Oh, so Daryl's got to chime in. It's What's population 1,800. 1,800 members. 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 <laughs> <laughs> From now on, you are now known as a member wherever you live. <clears throat> collectively, you're a member. Aurora, Texas, covering 3.7 square miles, was once the largest city in Wise County, Texas. Mm-hmm. Nestled, nestled all cozily between the cities of Rome and Boyd on Highway 114. Numbers garnered uh, 4,000 res- residents in the late 1800s. Are we looking at Boomtown? Did you figure that out? It said during its heyday, it had about 4,000 members. For any particular reason? Like, what are they known for? Any minerals? Any? Did they have a lot of alpacas? Oh, they did. They okay. did. There was there was some alpaca farming going on. All right. Um, But they, uh, I think it said that they did have a little bit of agriculture and stores and things like that. Okay. And so they, they, you know, they got up to around 4,000 members, or members, again, again what is members. my deal? Residents. And then a kind of a, a, a number of things kind of came in and screwed them. You know, they had the railroad that came through, and it was originally going to go right through Aurora. But okay. then a last minute decision, and they routed it, routed it uh, you know, away from Aurora. So that right there just kind of killed any chance. Oh, okay. You know, and then they had a couple things go on that, you know, the residents were, re- there I did it, residents were just <laughs> like, you know, oh, we're cursed or whatever. Because they had a bow weevil infestation that just like totally decimated their crops. Man, I had one of them too. Bow weevil? Yeah. Bow, everybody <laughs> thinks a bow weevil is this cute little, if you don't know what a bow weevil is, it's, you see them in the summertime, those hairy caterpillars. They're like, they're kind of a, like a rust brown to a brown. I was thinking of a groundhog <laughs> or a prairie dog. <laughs> That's what I pictured. That's what you it pictured. was awful. What the groundhogs came in and tore everything up. No, they're a caterpillar. But they're the cute little ones, you know. Oh, my God. That does, you know what's not funny about <laughs> that? They're not cute, that? though, because they tear up your crops and this stuff. Is, they do a lot of damage. This is a quick aside. What's not funny about that is, uh, <laughs> you ever heard of those Ken Burns documentaries? Ken Burns is like really famous for his for his documentaries. He's got one like on prohibition. He's got one on like the Civil War. Yeah. He's got one on the uh, Dust Bowl. <clears throat> and during the Dust Bowl, right, without getting into the crazy like ecological problems or issues that that created that, one of the things that ended up happening was they had like a plague of rabbits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wish I were joking. That's... What's even more like crazy about it was they would like pen up all these rabbits in like a pen, right? And they would like 
chuck him around, like grab him by the back of the leg and smack him on the back of the neck with like a <laughs> stick and break their neck. That's terrible. That's yeah. awful. So you can actually see like out of, like pictures, and I don't know if, I don't know if they had. Yeah, they had videos back then, 1920s, 1930s, of them just like grabbing these jackrabbits and just pounding them on the back of the neck with like a like a bat or a piece of wood. Yeah, you have to look those up. Wow. Seems like there could be a lot more humane ways. I that think that way, might have yeah. been in like Oklahoma at the time. It was funny. Anyway, carry on. Sorry. <laughs> Bull weevil infestation. So really what you're saying is this is uh, what you summed up at the beginning of that paragraph in that it was labeled the town that almost wasn't. Yeah, yeah, because they just, you know, things like this, they just kept having things like this happen. <clears throat> and, you know, you get too many things like that going on and you're just like, oh, we're cursed. You know. Mm-hmm. What else could possibly go wrong? Don't ever ask that. Well, we would figure out. You know. What would go wrong. Because we're about to tell you. We would figure out what would go wrong on the morning of April 17th, 1897, when the Dallas Morning News ran front page story, ran a front page story that would plant the sleepy little town firmly on the map, giving it the field of ufology a case that reeks of conspiracy, cover-up, and mystery. All three. Oh, that's a really bad picture. Let me see if I can find a better one. Oh, I didn't realize you were putting them up. Look at that. There they are. <laughs> there. Obviously, we don't have many actual pictures from the time. <laughs> sorry. Why are you laughing about that? They did have cameras in 1897. They had cameras, but no one thought to sit around for an well, hour and a half for one picture. I don't think the cameras in 1897 were like, oh, let me get it out of my pocket here. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they had to set it up, and then it takes two days to kind of, you know, get it ready to take the picture. In all fairness, <laughs> if something had crashed, then... They would only be moved unless they moved it. So you had the time to go get a camera and take a picture yeah. of it. Even back then, send it on the go Pony on, Express. We'll wait on right? you. Go on. We'll wait. No, <laughs> it's fine. Go on. We'll guard it. You go ahead. You bring Where's that, it going to go? You bring back that flasher thing you got, and we'll, we'll do whatever you need to do <laughs> with it. Why are we making them talk like they're hillbillies? It's more, it's more of a reflection on the time period and not the location. Okay, I'm going to put that right now. <laughs> That's the same voice you use for our relatives. Why is that? Why? I don't know. Why don't you answer me that question? Okay. Anyway, so uh, the late 1800s would actually see a number of strange uh, objects reported in the sky across the United States. Yeah, there was like a... An, uh, like a flap? I almost said... A what? Like a flap? A flap. A flap? No, there was like a, a lot of reports, a actually. Flap. Yes, a flap of reports. A flap of reports. You've never heard of that term? I have literally never heard of that before. A UFO flap. You've never heard of that? No. Everybody, take a time out. Grab yourself a drink, sandwich maybe. (laughs) Because she's going to have to Google what a UFO (laughs) flap is. I mean, she's the... What is a UFO flap? Like a a strong, like concentrated series of occurrences. Why are you looking at me like this? (laughs) Does my voice not exude the confidence that I, in fact, know what a UFO flap is? No, because I know you also do that when you're full of shit. Really? So, again... (laughs) Really? No, I just mean, there across the U.S., there were a lot of reports these people have saw, if you say that one more time, (laughs) a lot of reports are people saying... Yeah, there's something up I want, there. I want comments on our on our Facebook page. If anybody gets the time this week, let her know. Screenshot Tara, something er, to prove Trista me right. Tristan says, nope, he's got it right. Trista, Trista. Oh. Trista. Thank you, Trista. Even when he is right, we don't ever say he's Trista, right. Trista, can you uh, go ahead and spell that for me? Can you go ahead and uh, spell that out for me? going to reach that bar. See, it won't reach the one back here. And my, it's like slowly dying. Uh-oh, uh, underneath on your side, I think, is where the computer's plugged in. We may need Daryl's technical 
Yep. Daryl's like, go ahead and <laughs> Daryl says, go ahead and Google it. Daryl, can we get you in here real Just quick? Just shut up, smarty pants. Uh, all right. Sorry about that. We're having uh, issues with the phones. We don't we don't have a third webcam yet, so we're actually kind of having to utilize Christina's phone. And I just now realized that the majority of Christina's face is covered up by her pop filter, so that's fantastic. Oh, <laughs> no. She's kind of like hiding behind the pop filter. It's, no, it's right. okay. Hold they on. can totally Does see this me. Work better? <laughs> Do you lean in to say that? <laughs> no, I was hiding down behind. <laughs> oh. It's okay. I'm right here. Okay, we'll is get that a f- little better then. That's good. Either okay. way, we, we got to deal with what we got to deal with for now. I mean, we don't have the, the little arm attachment for you, and we'll get that for you. And if we could order a webcam. We'll web get to see cam, all of your beauty. But there are no <laughs> webcams. Oh, <laughs> you can come in. It's okay. We warned everybody. I'm we just need a spot to plug this in real quick. You want to see Daryl run real quick? Put that. Put your camera on him. He'll jump out of that doorway so fast. No, there, there he is. Daryl has an intense fear <laughs> of being so caught high. on camera. I don't know, like he's just gonna think he's gonna burst into yep. flame or something. Yep. Stop, drop and roll. Our audio listeners are, are I missing can move out. It closer if need on be. his slippers and shorts. Anyway, let's <laughs> carry on. Let's carry on right now, so I don't have too much to edit out of this. Go ahead, and uh, you you found this specific article by S. E. Hayden, the reporter from the Dallas Morning News. Do you want to read that? No, I don't know how to have this up, but sure, I'll read it. Oh, I, did. I thought no, you were ready. No, it's okay. I'll man 14 things over here. No, I got it. No, I got okay. it. I do. Okay. So, I think I got it right here. S.E. Hayden, who was a reporter for the Dallas Morning News, mm-hmm. details the following. The early risers of Aurora were astonished at the sudden appearance of the airship, which had been sailing throughout the county. Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order for it was making a speed of only 10 or 12 miles an hour and gradually settling toward the earth. It sailed over the public square, and when it reached the northern part of town, it collided with Judge Proctor's windmill and went to pieces with a terrific explosion, scattering debris over several acres of ground, wrecking the windmill and water tank, and destroying the judge's flower garden. According to Hayden, the ship was, quote, built of an unknown metal, resembling somewhat a mixture of aluminum and silver, and it must have weighed several tons. There's a lot to unpack there. One thing I want to mention, <laughs> by the way, Daryl, can you check real quick for me? Oh, we're getting reports so we can't hear Christina. Can you verify that for me? We've already set that up when we did the, pre, when we did the pre-show checks. For some reason, they say uh, they might not be able to hear her as much. <clears throat> um, one thing I highlighted in that, in that little excerpt there um, is the part that says, Evidently, some of the machinery was out of order, for he was making a speed of only 10 to 12 miles an hour, gradually settling towards Earth. Yeah. So, so they already kind of, like, they're, they're assuming that something went wrong, right? Yeah. So, they're not, in 18, what are we, 1897, we're, we're out of the first Industrial Revolution. I believe getting very close to starting the second Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Uh, so, are they... Are they kind of looking at this as if it, because they don't, what, what the only real machinery they had in 1897, do they have actual machine machines? I, I was just trying, and I I wish I would have looked it. into this. I was trying to think, you know, when did the first, I, because I know we're a few years out from the Wright brothers, you know, with having. Yeah, it, Kitty did, Hawk. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to remember when automobiles and any kind of mechanical well, traveling devices with uh, the Model T, wasn't it wasn't the first car. It was the first mass-produced car. Oh, okay. So I'm thinking the first actual car was around this time, if not was a hair really? before. 
Yeah, because they had. Oh, yeah, because they had the motoris- uh, motorized like bicycles. You know, the bicycles with the motor on them. I'm not sure about that specifically, but I know they, I they think at least that was in that time. You would need at least need a prototype before you move on to mass the mass production stage, correct? Yes. So they had the actual invention already done and ready. Yeah. It was just you know whatever. So it's got to be close to this time that they're starting to understand machinery and how, it, how you know how. It works with it. I shouldn't say that because I'm not trying to make them sound more regressed than they were. It wasn't that. But in, in, the, in the aspect of realizing that a machine could be capable of flying, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, for starters. Whether or not they knew how to build it themselves or not, they've just equated this as not a previous century would as in a big beast, but now it's the machinery that's failing. Yeah. You know, so that's a... I gotta pick my nose. Well, and, my and nose. what I kind of thought <laughs> of, too, was, okay, so they see this large you know, weird looking craft going over above them, you know, toward town. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's moving very, very, very slow. Mm-hmm. So, it, and they say due to that, okay, well, it must've been having mechanical issues. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of, how would you know though? I mean, like, what would you compare it against? Well, you know I, what I mean? Th- I think that was the thought I was getting at. Or was is the there fact some that... kind of like smoke coming from it? Or was there like Clang, clang, clang. You know what I mean? Like if, uh, when your car, there's something wrong with your car. Well, obviously this rider is riding after the fact and he would have known while riding it that the thing crashed. And if something crashes, most likely it's not in good working order, correct? Correct. So yeah. I think that's maybe what he's alluding to. But the simple fact <coughs> that in this time, they didn't think it was a beast. They didn't think it was the no, devil. No, yeah. They didn't think it was the devil. So now we're in a full-fledged they knew it was something mechanical yes. in nature. Yes. You know, it's I, not a monster. And that was a big point that jumped out to me. Sure, sure. Was that, I mean, I don't mean to sound bad, but in 1897, I mean, we're still... I don't want to say in the Dark <clears throat> Ages, but... In in the West. We're, yeah. And we're not in, like, the, the, the more mechanized big cities of the East. Well, but I guess they had trains. a lot of that. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, you equate, okay, so there's this thing that we have that is made out of metal, metal mm-hmm. and travels. Yeah. So here's this weird thing in the sky that's obviously made out of some kind of metal that's flying overhead yeah so they probably kind of you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah it was just a big point that jumped out to me i'm sorry to interrupt if I <laughs> no no that's fine um <clears throat> and so now we have this large ufo <clears throat> not only going through the sky but now it crashes takes out uh the judge's windmill and and water tank and god forbid his flower garden uh, what I'm trying to find Stuck it again. up there. Um, I don't know how far, how much farther ahead it is, but it is there, and you and everyone can see it on the picture right now on the screen for our, for our live listeners. Uh, it's in the shape shape of a cigar. A cigar, yeah. So yeah. this was interesting too. And I, I I should have planned it out because I I didn't have quite enough time with everything going on this week to actually plan out the visual graph of of the generational or the years of the most popular UFO shapes. Mm-hmm. Oh, thought, yeah, I've seen that. But I didn't think the shiga- uh, the cigar, I thought the cigar for sure came after Later. the saucer. Yeah. And the saucer was mainly what? What was the Mount Rainier? What was his name? The sighted in uh, the oh, first. Oh, Kenneth, Kenneth Arnold. There you go. And the Mount Rainier sighting in what was that, 1949? I believe around it. Something there. like that. And it, But then we had the well, no, saucer. I think that was before Roswell. And Roswell was in 47. Okay, but it wasn't long before no, Roswell, No, no, right? it wasn't long okay. before that. Yeah. And we did have an extended amount of time where we had mainly saucer shapes being reported. Yeah. And then and then did we go to cigars, or was that after after something else? Regardless, the point is, yeah. is that we're in 1897, where a lot of saucers, the saucer shape isn't the common form of identification. Yeah. Now we're already into the cigar shape, which also lends credence <coughs> to these salt-of-the-earth people in 1897 <laughs> in not a very big town in Texas out west 
saying that they had seen a something b that that something was cigar shaped mm-hmm. and then we will get on to our next point now i think you're now going to. go now. ahead sorry so you know just the fact that you're having this ufo come crashing down near you in your town like that's not crazy enough oh wait but wait there's more oh there is so now we have they go and investigate this crashed ufo and they find a pilot uh, an extraterrestrial pilot of the craft <gasps> oh my of the craft uh who had been killed in the initial crash so what was his name again i'm going to pick up the pilot uh hayden <laughs> the pilot <laughs> Hayden goes Meek on Mark? to write of the corpse that they found and he says quote the pilot of the ship is supposed to have been the only one on board and while his remains are badly disfigured enough of the original has been picked up to show that it was not an inhabitant of this world uh, discovered on the body of the extraterrestrial were papers with a strange hieroglyphic writing on them uh let me see here so it was you know so now they've got this dead alien uh it was so it was reported and i believe it was even published in the newspaper that you know the the people of the community they're they're you know good christian people so they they take this dead alien and they want to give him a good christian burial so they take him to the town's cemetery the aurora aurora cemetery and they bury him there in a shallow grave First off, do you have anything to say? I'm sorry. I just want to incorporate. Do you have any questions? Do you have any comments? <laughs> I want to know what was on the paper. On like, oh, the hieroglyphics. The hieroglyphics. I say I like, do too. Was it plans for something? And to what do, happened to the paper? Or... I think yeah. it's a paper. I think I have the answer. I think I know what it is. What? I think it's a receipt to like an intergalactic speedway. <laughs> or Walmart. Or a Walmart. Yeah. Right. I'm surprised like you didn't think of that. Maybe he likes Target. Could be. It could have been a Target. Could have been a Target. Yep. Could a have been it too. Yep. Target. Yep. <laughs> Fancy. Uh, the first thing I want to say is the fact that uh, I just now realized that like every state has an Aurora. Really? I think so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Wayne and Garth were from Aurora. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. We have an Aurora in Ohio, which used to have SeaWorld. Oh yeah. And now Texas. Why do you? You didn't know that. I didn't know what? that. What? <laughs> I did not know that. It's not there anymore. I don't think. I think it's Six Flags now. Something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, anyway. Six Flags. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, we have a six flags. <laughs> wow. This is the part of the story that kind of confused me, though. Okay. Because so papers are pu- publishing this story, right? And it gets surprisingly li- very little fanfare. You know, people are like, meh. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I know if something was published <clears throat> today and they're like, it crashed, a UFO crashed, and we got a dead alien body, I'm going. Right? Mm-hmm. I'd be following up like, on it, too. I am going. <laughs> and and yet, they're like, meh. And furthermore, too, they gave it a Christian burial. So not only do we have a group of people in a time period that recognize that this was some type of machine that had a mechanical Mm -hmm. error causing it to to crash. The thing inside died, and it wasn't a demon. They gave it a Christian burial. Yeah. So yeah. which which makes me makes me wonder, did it look human at all for them to think that? Because our typical idea, especially and this is maybe this is just me, but before Whitley Streber and then after that when we start getting into the different classifications of extraterrestrials, the different species, if you will, that seems to be like the kind of that's what there was. There was just one that kind of has a big head and a big eye, big eyes, you know? Yeah. And I could be completely incorrect, but what I don't think I'm incorrect about is Unless it looked like a human, only smaller, they still treated it enough in a humane fashion to give it a yeah. Christian burial. Yeah. 
as opposed to thinking it again. It's or, some... or is that, or is it because, you know, like if we're, if we're Christian, we're not, but I'm just saying if yeah. we're Christian yeah. and anything dies. So if we have a pet that dies, yeah. you know, we're going to dig, dig a grave, we're going to bury it and we're going to say, you know, whatever. Because that's the only way you know how yeah, to bury yeah. the dead. Yeah, yeah. So was it, was it, was it that it looked human s? But in a perfect, in a perfect modern <laughs> context, I think I would agree with you, but not in the context of history. Because so you think it looked enough be, that they would be? I'm like, not saying oh, well, that. Like, you know. I'm not saying that. But within the context of history, it's happened time and time again where a a baby with deformities was outright killed and buried in a non-Christian oh, way. Oh yeah, because like I've seen. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a famous one, and I can't. I want to say it's over in the UK, in England, but uh, the grave where it says "monster," infant monster, or mm-hmm. something. Like, oh, so wow. obviously, a child that was born with some type of severe deformities or whatever but yeah that's a good point that throughout this story they do say that the body was badly disfigured Mm -hmm. but enough of it remained you know that we could tell that hey this isn't human this isn't from our world and they still didn't treat it with 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 fire you know what i mean But they don't give any descriptions of what it did look like yeah that's interesting you know like well we could tell it was purple with pink polka dots um, uh, Fred, Fred Berger's got a, I'm sorry if I said your name and you don't want me to say your name, but Fred's got a comment there, um, on the live. Can you throw that up for us here? Oh yeah. It looks sorry. like a pretty good comment. Yeah. Fred says, I watched a documentary on Netflix describing uh, the picture you guys are talking about. They talked a lot about U- the UFOs on Netflix. I guess it's supposed to be one of the largest hangers that they have for paranormal research. They did a documentary on the picture that you guys are talking about. Oh, wow. So I think we're going to, we're going to move on in this story. Um, but I think it will be eventually the, the remnants will be moved to a certain, to a certain military base. So there's a possibility that, uh, at one point they, they had at the military base and a lot of people's mindsets nowadays. Well, back then it was, well, they're storing them at area 51. And now what is the common conspiratorial consensus, right? Patterson? Yeah. In Dayton. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. So maybe we can find this thing back, uh, down in Wright-Patterson, which for everybody who's watching us now is about uh, an hour and a half away down in Dayton. And I go there most Mondays. So I'll let you know. I like how Trista says people around here would literally just poke at it for a bit and then bury it properly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was kind of what I was, you know, getting around to. But regardless, though, like I don't and I don't. Um, with all these wonderings of mine, again, it's not it's not a question question of the people of of the area. It's a question of people at the time and how people. And I don't mean to single out Christians, but we hear a lot of stories of of how Christianity was kind of dealt with deformities or or you know m- mental challenges. If they couldn't explain it. It was of the devil. You did something wrong to cause your baby to come out like this or something like that. Yeah. Or if it didn't look human, then it probably wasn't human. And in this case, this thing fell from the freaking sky. Yeah. <laughs> It was disfigured, but we could still tell that it's probably not human, yet we're going to give it a Christian burial. So it's just an interesting thing for me. I'm sorry. Carry on. Oh, sorry. I was trying to oh, put up okay. another picture there. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, like I said, they kind of just were like, meh, at the time. And it wasn't until, well, actually, you know, if you're from that area, you know, people would retell the story and that, that, story, that same story gets retold. After a few, you know, generations and pretty soon it's just kind of regarded as a a, a local legend. So, but on May 24th, 1973. Oh man, big jump. Yeah, big jump. Almost a hundred years later, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The UPI, which UPI stands for. Urinary tract infection. No, it doesn't. Oh, UPI. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Jump the gun. I'm sorry. What does this stand for again? 
<laughs> Hold on. <laughs> we'll have it right Hold here. Hold on. <laughs> United Press International. Yeah, yeah. So they renewed interest in this story because they published an article that kind of detailed an effort that was going on at the time to dig up this reported alien body and see if it was, if this story was just legend or to kind of establish it as being fact. So we have here... Now, essentially, though, UPI being United Press International, yeah. you had said it was kind of like a like a hand-in-hand cousin with who else? The, uh, the Associated Press. Press. Were the they, Associated Press. Were they, would they have been around at the same time, <clears throat> Associated Press, back then? I believe so. Regardless, though, like when we hear like the cartoonish... This was like the major... When we hear the cartoonish uh, sayings of hot off the wire, these guys are yes, the wire. Th- these guys are the wire. Okay. This is where all the other smaller uh, newspaper... Mm-hmm. The outlets, yeah. Yeah, this is where they would get their story, the big stories okay. from. Yep. Yeah, so this is this excerpt here comes from the actual newspaper article that was published in the UPI. So, Aurora, Texas, UPI. A grave in a small North Texas cemetery contains the body of an 1897 astronaut who was, quote, not an, not an inhabitant of this world, according to the International UFO Bureau. The group which investigates unidentified flying objects has already initiated legal proceedings to exhume the body and will go to court if necessary to open the grave, Director Hayden Hughes said on Wednesday. So this story is now, now it blew up. So it's front page news all around the country and people are just flooding in from all areas of just, I mean, the U.S. and the world. And they're just kind of descending on this little town of Aurora, you know, just hoping to catch a glimpse of, you know, the alien body or something mysterious. Yeah. And so it was even in the in the newspapers. And I do believe, uh, well, I'll kind of get to that later on. But uh, I do believe that it was referred to in the papers as being a man from Mars. In 1973. Yes. Or a Martian. Okay. Martian. Yep. You have and any thoughts? Dubbed it. Have you thoughts on this? Not yet. No, so, I'm, sometimes I'm still I can stuck keep on going. The... <laughs> still stuck on the what? The paper. The... I just want to <laughs> know what like the plans were. <laughs> well, because you hear now like they want to come down and world domination and you know. Who oh does? yeah, because you know like like from War of the World, War oh. of the yeah, World. Yeah, so, so it, what if it was like something for that? Some type of orders. Yeah. Like a like an affidavit. Yeah. Like an affidavit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what they mean. I love how they always do that now. You know, like back then it was kind of just like. He crashed and he's dead. We'll just bury him. You know, yeah, no whatever. big thingy thing. Yeah. You know, boll weevils, though, <laughs> tearing up your fields. Well, that's got to be a curse. But, a, but a, you know, an alien crashing. <laughs> that just go. I think that goes to pro- prove my point. Not really my point, but my my wondering there about that. But I know, but you would think that back then they would be more prone to say, "Oh, they're going to take over our world." In you know, 1897. Yeah. Huh. You know. Well, see, and that's the thing too that kind of like leave, leads. It keeps leading me back to it. I'm sorry if it's becoming a broken record thing here, but the uh, the UPI thing, the UPI article from 1973. I was, tra- I was like, does that mean on article? My That's my article. <laughs> this is my article sign. The UPI article from 1973 cites something written in 1897, maybe some some other story from 1897, because it has quotes in it that says, not an inhabitant of this world. And again, we're going back to 1897, not of this world. Could be not of this world physically or not of this world spirit- spiritually. So oh, that's deep, we, man. we that's are, deep. we're right on the cusp of the time where we're starting to 
relearn about celestial bodies, like starting to demystify it to the point to where it's more scientific as opposed yeah. to more spiritual. But I think we're right. I mean, the spiritual movement had been around for, geez, what, at least 50 years in the mid 1800s, mm -hmm. right? Ish. Don't quote me on that. But now we have th that statement coming into the beginning of the 20th century of not of this world. So what world is that not inhabitant of? like that you do you're gonna put on a shirt <laughs> yeah maybe yeah yeah maybe <laughs> yeah yeah anyway let's re recap real quick because i think that might have been a little bit confusing so we have the initial incident that happened in 1897 and there was a little bit of you know excitement over it locally yeah but then it died down yeah and so we have this period from We'll just call it. We'll we'll give it two Close years. Close enough to yeah. We'll give it two years. Eighteen ninety seven. We'll give it to eighteen ninety nine, and it's fallen off into almost obscurity into local legend kind of area, right? Almost eighty, yeah. 80 years. And then suddenly, someone finds out about it again mm -hmm. in nineteen seventy three and brings it back into the spotlight. <laughs> brings it back into the spotlight. So now. From here on out, we're going to have a lot of the most, I don't want to say exciting thing, because obviously it crashing was exciting. <laughs> yeah. But the more legally exciting thing from here on out. But just, we have to remember that even at the time, people, yeah, were kind of baffled and excited about it, but it died off pretty quickly until almost a hundred years later when somebody found the story again. And then people went, pardon the phrase, ape shit over it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because now we're past Roswell. We're past, are we past Whitley Streeper? In 1973? Not quite? No. I don't We're getting close, though. Um, well, he was having the experiences, yeah, but I'm trying to think when communion came, came out. out was it 1980 or 1981 maybe i believe it was around in there but we're getting close yeah we're getting close chronologically so yeah. us uh, us as the entirety of the human race is still having experiences to the point where it's going to come to a head and we're going to go ufo crazy just like at this time we did go bigfoot crazy so yeah. so we're getting there but for some reason it was just kind of lost to history abroad and only kept to a local level until someone found this article and then all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so now at this time, you know, like I said, you got all these people from everywhere kind of descending on the town of Aurora. So of course you have the newspaper reporters and investigators coming in and they're talking to the people of Aurora, just trying to find out, you know, if anybody knew any specifics of the case or had ever heard anything maybe from family that kind of thing. So they did find one woman who uh, was actually 91 years old in 1973. And so this woman was 15 at the time that this crash actually took place. And she said she remembered her parents visiting the crash site. And they made her stay at home because, you know, obviously you don't know what you're going to find. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to expose her to that. Like a demon. Well, could be. <laughs> um... So I got a hair that's just floating around here. It's probably a demon. It, probably a demon. So they made her stay at home. But when they did get back home, she did her, hear them say that the the body of the alleged extraterrestrial was about the size of a uh, small man or a child. And that they had, the, the townsfolk in the, uh, during that time had buried it in the Aurora Cemetery. Mm -hmm. So this really kind of lent credence to the initial story going on there mm -hmm. uh, and then next we have a, a reporter named jim mars who found another yet another witness who had been privy to the initial crash 
and it was a 10 year he was 10 years old at the time uh and so this guy now you know he's kind of you know and doesn't really want to get involved with this new rehashing of the story uh but they kind of talk him into it so he's now 83 years old his name is charles c stevens and is it stevens or stephens i not for sure S-T-E-P-H-A-N-S. However you want to take that. If you want to do yeah. your own research, yeah. uh, that's how you pronounce that. Yeah. Spell it. So, but young Charlie had been working with his father out in the fields, tending to the family's cattle. And they looked up and they spotted this cigar-shaped flying craft passing very low over their head and heading toward the town. Because they live right on the edge of town there. We just had a car go by. It sounded like a... Sound yeah. effects. It's Sorry. awesome. So, uh... As the ship moved closer to town, they noticed that it uh, was obviously having some kind of mechanical issue. They heard a loud explosion coming from the craft and saw it catch on fire and then crash into the earth in the distance. So young Charlie says, you know, I wanted to go. I wanted to check it out, see what this was. But his father had said, we have to finish our chores first, which kind of, you know, like, really? I imagine. You know? I imagine Charlie's dad being a little like Yosemite Sam. And Yosemite Sam would have been like, You know what we do? Gotta get our chores done first for grounding and saucers. <laughs> like, happen every day around here. <laughs> Aurora's just, just going to hell. Shooting his revolvers, just, 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 just pissed off Matt. He might have been. Chores <laughs> aren't been. done. Things are burning off in the fields. All these kids nowadays, all they want to do is beat their stick hoops across the yard and go see things that crash out in yeah, the field before you know, the chores are know. done. So little Charlie didn't get to see it. But he, he he does say that the next day his dad goes in into town and saw the debris as well as the mysterious UFO aircraft. Mm-hmm. So let me move on down here. Moving on down. Moving on down. So this reporter, Jim Mars, is, uh, you know, he thinks, well, I'm going to go out to the cemetery. I'm going to poke around and see what I can find out there. So he does find what he believed to be the shallow grave where this alien pilot is buried. So, and right above this grave is a crude rock headstone that was half broken. So let me go ahead and post this picture here. Oh, good. You have a picture of it? Yeah. Oh. And etched on the stone, as you can see, hopefully you guys can see it. Is it coming up? Okay. Uh, is what looks like the uh, end of a saucer-shaped structure mm-hmm. with small circles that appear to be either portals or some people might say where lights came out of. Mm-hmm. Who knows? For our audio listeners, the the, the fragment looks like... A tall trapezoid shape, so it's it's well a trapezoid sh- shape that would be upside down. So if you flip the trapezoid upside down and kind of squished it by squeezing either side, that's the general shape of it, um, of uh, like a tan color, maybe like a sandstone color. I don't know what kind of the composition of rock this is, uh, but on the front of it has like a sideways almond shape, and then there's little little like divots in a line across it, mm. kind of making it look like the the, the prototypical. It looks more like a saucer shape. I mean, but I've seen a lot of pictures of people drawing the saucer that they had seen. But we already know now from from the actual testimonies of the time and then the testimonies in 1973 that that they said it was, what, cigar-shaped? Yeah. So this is just how they – if this is true, where did you get this picture? 
Can I ask that? Hold on. I'm trying to go back to the script here. Oh, okay. Uh, I believe these pictures were taken back at the time. But um, as Fred mentioned here on the, on the live discussion in the comments, nobody knows what happened to it. It was there one day. They come back the next day. Poof, it's gone. Yeah. Who took it? Nobody. <laughs> you but know, it, but so we it, don't really know what happened to it. But it had been there for the longest time? People I, know this? I believe it had been there Interesting. Okay. since... You know, the initial crash. Man, I love You know, good... but now you've got all these people swarming in. Man, I love a good cover-up. And now it's gone. Do you know how, like, on Friday night sometimes you'll take your spouse out to dinner and your spouse won't eat all of their, like, shrimp Alfredo from Olive Garden? I'll eat it. And then, like, you bring it home. You're like, oh, that's cool because it's lunch for the next day. Yeah. And then, like, I'll sneak in and I'll eat it before they get up, right? I'll cut and you. Then, <laughs> and then, like, I'll put something else in there. Like, didn't I put that in the fridge? I'm like, no. No, you ate it last night. Cover-up. Cover up. That's clear dirty. and distinct. <laughs> cover up. Hey, you weren't you weren't there to defend it. Cover up. Happy. Yes, yes. And, and like Fred says here too. Yeah, like they even had it in the paper during the time of the initial crash. Hey, UFO, whatever this thing is, crashed. We found a alien, or we found a body inside that was obviously not of this earth. We buried it in the cemetery. We gave it a funeral. Interesting. It was published in the newspaper article of the time. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Yeah, so yeah. there's kind of like, I don't want to say undeniable proof. There's undeniable yeah. proof that <laughs> there the story was printed that said this happened. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to call the people in of 1897 in Aurora, Texas, liars. But I'm just going to say this story was published. They were chronicled. Just, yep. They were just really calm people. You know, I mean, they, they really might have get... pulled your leg a little bit, but they weren't liars. But they were real you know, calm. I don't know. I don't know. They're just like, yeah, we found something. That's cool. We buried it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Mars did note that the the size of the grave definitely was not that of a full grown human. It was definitely the size of a, a very small adult. You know, maybe like a is the term? Do you can you use the word midget or I don't? Know. I don't. I don't think so. Well, because I read something the other day no. where a guy didn't want to be called a dwarf. Yeah, you actually. He's like, be... no, I want to be called a midget. I'm a midget. I think so. Is it a personal? I think the thing. Well, that's know. always that's always the case. Yeah. But I think the general consensus. Well, like I don't want to be little people, right? Politically yeah, incorrect. Yeah. I mean, like I want to be respectful. What do you want? What am I? What do I? I think the consensus is a little, short person. I don't little know. little person. Why are you person? fighting this? I think you want to call them midgets. I think you need no, to call them. No, I don't. That's what that guy wanted to be called. Which that, is his right. If that's what, if you want to be called a midget, yeah, we'll that call one you person, a midget. Whatever you want to be called, I, I will think, call you. I think the consensus is little people, but let's go ahead and steer away from that because I don't want to get involved in that right <laughs> well, now. Well, no, that's why I said because that's what he said yeah. in the article was he's like, people call me a dwarf. I am not a dwarf. I'm a midget. What Does this have to do with the actual <laughs> no, story? Saying, anyway, uh, but but uh, Mr. Mars here was adamant that this was definitely something way smaller. So a fellow journalist and friend of his, Bill Case, actually came and went over the area of the grave using a metal detector. And lo and behold, he discovered three large pieces of some unnamed or unknown material. So by now, the Associated Press, which we talked about earlier, is like the sister of the UPI. So now they're on the story. And so they published an article coming out of Denton, Texas, that possibly cited even more proof that this could have been a UFO crash and recovery. Hmm. So they, in their article here... They cite, quote, a North Texas State University professor had found some metal fragments near the Oats gas station. And the Oats gas station was formerly the Proctor Farm. Uh, so one fragment 
was said to be most intriguing because it consisted primarily of iron, which did not seem to exhibit any magnetic properties. Can you clarify Wait, for me? Yeah. Was the fact that it's most intriguing because it appeared to be iron yet did not seem to exhibit? Yeah, ma- yeah okay. it's okay. iron, but it's not magnetic. Okay. And, so it looks and to be iron, iron is magnetic. Okay. I just want to make sure I got uh, that right. But it looked like iron. So mm-hmm. we, in fact, don't know what it was. So how, did, it, did it say at all how big these fragments were? It did not. I couldn't. I, and I went through like five or six mm-hmm. different articles. And and this is where the... Couldn't really find anything out. This is where the, the ship, the object was said to have crashed? Or is this the burial site? Uh, this is at the, the site of the grave. Okay. So I'm not sure. It, right around the grave, in the grave, so is, in that area. So the yeah. Aurora, the Aurora Cemetery is right by an Oats gas station. Uh, well, it's uh, in the article. I don't know if this is a misprint, but I wrote it because that's what it said in the article. But it says formerly the Proctor Farm. But I, huh. when I go back up, I thought it said Pritchard. Was Judge Pritchard is where yeah. the crash happened? <clears throat> um, so I'm not really sure there. So maybe it's a, a phonetic name with names when they were doing their investigation, maybe, possibly. Maybe. So then most likely then this is the crash site. And yeah. The, yeah. The I guess you're right. Yeah. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I was confused about that. Um, so, you know, so by now they're like, okay, enough already. We, we want to know, you know, 100% right now, let's settle this mystery. So they filed a petition. I don't know who they are. A bunch of people around there. They're, I don't I'm not sure. But they filed a petition against the Aurora Cemetery Association. They want to exhume the body if there is, in fact, a body there. Um, and the motion was denied. And so there's a huge amount of speculation that, you know, still t- today as to, like, why won't you let anybody dig this up? You know, and the speculation. So it's interesting to note, too, that Bill Case actually returned to the gravesite. It doesn't say how much time passed in between graves no the first time that he went there went over it with the metal detector yeah versus when he later returned oh okay so i'm not sure how long it was but he brought his metal detector back went over it again no metal nothing no Mm. beep 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 nothing so gone but the grave still undisturbed though um it doesn't really say it does say that there is a, a metal pipe that was inserted into the ground where the stone marker, where the, the headstone was. Yeah. So now headstone's gone, uh, metal pipe down in the ground where the headstone was, you know. But nobody knows anything. Hmm. Nobody knows anything. William Jensen in the chat asked, does it seem logical that any metal entering the atmosphere uh, become magnetic? I'm not sure how that works, man. Um, if it's... If it's, yeah, a non, if it's a non-magnetic uh, metal, I don't think it acquires magnetism through just coming through our atmosphere. I'm yeah. not sure it works like that. I think magnetism is part of an elemental property of the metal itself. And it, I think it plays into like the magnetism of the earth yeah. and everything too. But I don't think it can acquire magnetism with it being a non-magnetic material. I don't know. Because I think you can mag- magnetize. Maybe you can because they have the magnetizers, don't they? Well, and I like was thinking you know, like, mm-hmm. if it was some, you know, a piece of rock or something that came like an asteroid, for yeah. example. Yeah. Not magnetic. But then when it comes back down, crashes to Earth, could it have gathered up stuff as it's, you yeah. know, flying through? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then like, so now it's magnetic because of these other things that have attached to it while it was hurling through space. William, what I'm getting at here is we're woefully uneducated on the uh, <laughs> yeah. how magnets work. Uh, so I don't know. know. 
I don't know. I can't answer and that for you, That's a good man. question. I can make up an answer if that makes you feel better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway. Go ahead. Sorry. Let me get back on over here. Oh. Okay. So, <coughs> they did do in recent times, again, it doesn't say when, but they, they went over it with the ground-penetrating radar, and there does, in fact, show a shallow grave in that area where this alleged alien is supposed to have been buried. But still, same thing. Aurora Cemetery Association is like, nope, and just refuses to allow any researchers or ufologists to investigate the site or exhume the body. They're just not having it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's also interesting to note that at the time of the initial crash in 1897, uh, military personnel were reported near the area. And to this day, those reports continue. So why military personnel would be around this tiny little cemetery, this little town, you know, kind of... Yeah, that's a little... That seems a little suspect. No, but it does seem equally as weird that anybody in 1897, governmental-wise, would have any any reason to want to cover things up yet. Unless they've been visited before. Yeah, but how many many other (laughs) cases do we have of possible cover-ups pre-1900? I mean, because obviously our first our first thing that is like yeah. Ro- Ro- that Roswell. Yeah, that that's true. But like, I just I just find like eighteen ninety seven being an age of so many new things that one new thing that we didn't create would just kind of feed into the ingenuity. Well, maybe of, it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. Well, I I don't want to say maybe it wasn't a cover up, but maybe at the time, hey, like we don't know what this alien is. We don't know if it is potentially dangerous to to us. We don't know if this metal we found could hurt us in any way. So maybe that's why. Initially why they kinda hung around. You I know? know. I just feel like we were more kinda apt. like, okay, well if we had a UFO go over our little town and then he crashed, who's to say that maybe we should stay here because maybe other UFOs were you know, if one is in this area, there might be more coming. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. but this is this is in the day and age when like every other house How much was... exciting things are happening in 1897. That, I think it goes to prove the point that that, that that would make news and not the opposite. Yeah, that's true. Until we're given an incident or insight to make us want to cover it up, which is our first concrete evidence of I shouldn't say that. Now I'm sounding like a conspiracy <laughs> well, no, theorist. I, no, well, our I'm first not, evidence of it. No, I'm not trying to sound like a, you know, conspiracy theorist, but what <clears> I'm saying is is 1897, you did they didn't have a we didn't have aircraft. Of any kind for a few more years yet. So maybe that's why I don't want to say cover up, but maybe let's kind of keep this stuff held back and not talk about it out, you know, because I, we don't know. I guess I'd have to have, you more, know, not more... Uh, not in a, you know, like nefarious. We're going to keep this covered up. See, I still can't. You I know? still can't see that. I don't know. I, I but guess regardless, I'd, regardless, I guess I'd have to have other instances where this was the case pre 1900. Yeah. That this was the the modus operandi of, of the government. Well, for whatever reason, though, there were reports that people saw military personnel in the area immediately afterwards, and they weren't there before. Mm -hmm. So whatever the reason, we've now got military personnel, you know, kind of hovering around that area. And even now today, they have military personnel Mm -hmm. around that area. So who knows? Hmm. A lot of people feel that the crashed spaceship and the mangled extraterrestrial body were both taken to nearby Fort Worth military base, which is coincidentally uh, where reports that later Roswell evidence was also housed. Uh, there have also been reports that after that, it was taken to Wright Pass. Wright Pass? I can't talk today. 
Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So, who knows? Dun, dun, dun. Did, I, did I say that earlier, actually? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Whoops. Who knows? Didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, so, conspiracy theories aside, one man has an even stranger possible explanation as to what the source of what these residents saw on that April morning could be. So, Michael Busby wrote a book in 2004 titled apropos, solving the 1897 airship mystery. So Mr. Busby claims to have really well-researched this whole story and all of the facts behind it. And he proposes that instead of ETs that, you know, that crashed, that it was actually, this craft was built by a secret society of airship builders. So I like it. You, you like that? I like yeah. it. <laughs> so Busby details that in the 1960s, a, a strange series of drawings created by artists. I'm going to screw this up. Do it. Charles August Albert Delshaw. There you go. That okay. Sounds good enough. Surfaced in a Houston antique store. Now, Delshaw was reportedly a member of the Sonora Aero Club, which was based in California in the 19th century. And this group was responsible for the building of both extravagant and sophisticated wooden aircraft. It reminds me of like a like a Vernian style. That's what I was thinking. Steampunk, but yeah. in wood. <laughs> yeah, that's what so I was thinking. That's why Did, I like it so much. And I could just almost hear the sound. <laughs> what time is it, Watson? I don't know why I chose Watson. I was done with Sherlock Holmes. I don't care. Because there needs to be someone with a monocle named Watson or Winston or something like that on this on this plane or this mechanical flying wooden device. Needs to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, was the small town of Aurora, Texas, the final resting place of a crashed alien being from outer space? Option one. And could the military or other behind-the-scenes agencies be covering up the story? That's option two. Or, maybe the whole story is nothing more than we have this group in California who's building these crazy flying machines. Which would still be sweet. Which would yeah. still be sweet. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. We what? don't. We don't know. We don't have the answers. Let's look to our sage and proper Virgil, Christina, for what she thinks is happening. I don't think it was anything wooden built by people. Man. I mean, they even said that it didn't so look either. human. I know. So if it was one, and plus, if yes. one of the people from the Sonaro Aero Club wrecked. Into the earth. Yeah. Don't you think that they would come and get the body? Right. And take it back home to California? And plus, there, there wasn't... Was there any wood found? I don't believe so. I don't believe that was ever... Because all they talked about was detailing... The mysterious metal. Yeah. And then if yeah. it was iron from our planet, yeah. it would have the magnetic properties. And this yeah. didn't have any of that. So I'm really... So, un yeah. I'm so I'm really unsure, kind of, of without reading the book, I'm kind of unsure where Busby is getting that these were wooden yeah, flying machines. It... And, okay, fine, if it's a wooden flying machine, I can totally get on board with that. Okay. But if they're building these wooden machines, where does the, the dead alien... How did the dead alien well, he went get and there? hijacked it. They you know? said, what happened. They <laughs> said it was, it was mangled, and it was small, and horse jockeys... <laughs> I was gonna say, are small. It was really a parrot. 
It's the, not the, an alien. It no, was a parrot. The jockeys for horse racing tend to be on the small side. I don't want to offend any of the jockeys who may be in the audience tonight. Uh, so I just want to say that you are you are a valued member of our society, but maybe that's what they were going for with the mechanical. Is a short human? Yes, a yes. flying machine made of wood. They needed a, a small human. So they're like, Timmy, <laughs> Timmy, get over he goes, here. He goes, <laughs> You're going in, bud. He goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, boss. Yeah, boss. <laughs> All right, boss. <laughs> Snaps on his goggles. Yeah, yeah. There's a leather flying cap. But just in my uh, personal opinion, like that. You know, but even then, they said it didn't look human. It yeah, wasn't yeah, exactly. Of this wor- world, so yeah. So I mean, what it what did it look like? Well, we don't know, but well, maybe if Jimmy people was just... from eighteen ninety seven are looking at it, going, "Yeah, that ain't human." No, maybe... I never seen that before. That ain't human. Maybe yeah. Jimmy was Italian and not very good looking. Wow. It, in the middle of Texas, maybe they don't they didn't know what Italians looked like. And maybe our he Italian would... family is just gonna be like. Death to Alex. Death to Alex. I never said I agreed with it. I'm trying to look at it from his perspective of a Texan in 1897. I, mean, I just, I want to throw this out there too, because okay. it is, it is weird in my opinion that if you go there now, hold on, let me post up a picture. Kind of gotten lackadaisical here with my posting. But if you go to the Aurora Cemetery in Texas now, there is this sign there. We're posting a picture that, that, yeah, that shows that tells a little bit of the story, background of the story, and the cemetery is listed on the Texas Historical Places Registry. Mm-hmm. So my question is, why would the state of Texas issue an historical marker if the story wasn't, you know, what I'm saying? If it wasn't true, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all part of the yeah. cover up. So definitely, I think that's weird. Let me post up another picture here. Actually, so reading it uh, for our, of, uh, our audio listeners are at a disadvantage. Um, you had just posted a, the picture of the plaque, which seems like a rather large plaque issued uh, at the park or at the yeah. At the you can park. see it oh. there in this picture <laughs> the cemetery, in the background at the cemetery, and it kind of just starts off with like a brief. Have you ever like uh, been on the highway and you stop off? Um, at a rest stop or something, and sometimes they'll have those informational plaques for you to read. Yeah. And most generally, they'll just give you like a brief history of what you're looking at when you're when you're reading it. And it starts to give you just like ba- that basic touristy kind of, we've done this because of a historical value of A, B, and C. The oldest things in here are A, B, and C. But then halfway down, they actually reference the spaceship crash. Yeah. Like the, it literally says spaceship. Well, and it doesn't even say allegedly. It says in here... Um, no, it says legend. Oh, I was looking. It does through. say legend. I'm, I leaned away from the microphone so I can get closer to my tablet. It says the legend that a. Oh, I, okay. I read the wrong thing. Spaceship I, I, yeah. crashed. Yeah. Okay. But still, <clears throat> like that's that's a pretty interesting legend because yeah, if you when has but uh, an historical marker is something that historically yeah. took place, well, not no. a legend. There are also legends of like like if you have a plaque you know referencing like Native American legends those are still there not on the mm. state's histo- official historical registry yeah like on the historical registry you would have the Alamo you would have the yeah, but the San not... Jose missions yeah these, but these were things where histo- you know where historical events took place do you see what I'm saying yeah so if but... it was a legend and... you wouldn't have it there Plus wouldn't it be was... Yeah, the there paper. might be a, yeah, there might be a sign that says according to legend this happened here. Yeah. So for them to 
be a legend and be on the the historical registry doesn't kind of doesn't make sense I don't, to me. I don't know, though, because like if you go to say there was there was a Native American legend about this big tree that got up and started walking away, but then it missed its home. So it came back and sat down. Say that the legend was so well known amongst you know, various tribes that they actually can point you to the tree that they're talking about. So unfortunately, through the course of uh, the history of, of the United States, um, we have this denoted as a, a famous park or something that you would have a plaque that would be under the same guise that this is this is the tree that the Native Americans legend that you may have heard of. This is the one they were talking about. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, Trista says here, legend I in completely Texas. made that up. I made it up, I but was... <laughs> I'm saying in general, like... No, I get what you're saying, but yeah. at the same time, why would they call it a legend after they found yeah. metal and published it and... Well, because, well... Because it's not it's not proven exactly what it was, but the yeah. but legends are still history. Whether or not the legends are true or not, they still hold a part of history, and they're usually used. Well, at least if we want to look at it from like a non-believer point of view, used to explain how the world works. So they would hold historical and geological value for it. I mean, like Ayers Rock. Here's one. I don't know if this is it, and this is not the United States either. But I'm just saying in general, um, if you go to Ayers Rock in in Australia, it is a geographical landmark, and and um geographical uh thing right it's a land yeah. mass right yeah but then it also has a, a lot of spirituality and legends behind it so i would imagine that they would have a plaque saying that this is the landmark of Ayers rock that literally it's just a very tall skinny plateau by itself but it also holds this legend this legend and this legend even though nothing of its proven it's still a legend now you're, you're right in this case they did find metal and such but since it's not been proven that the metal was from a literal spaceship i mean I don't know. I could see it both ways. Yeah. I could yeah. see it both ways. Yeah. But regardless, uh, the the alleged body, along with the, the, the three pieces of large pieces of metal and the paper that was in the the dead alien, because I don't know if I said that, uh, there was reportedly some kind of paper on the body of this dead alien that had these hieroglyphic writing on it. So... But all of it is nobody knows. Nobody knows what happened. What happened to it? Um, I think Fred had a pretty good. But obviously, somebody sorry somebody had to have taken it mm -hmm. because it was you know documented in the newspaper articles when the original crash happened. Hey, there was a paper in the pocket with hieroglyphic writings on it, and then in 1973 they you know went over it with the metal detector and three large pieces of metal. So what happened to that? We don't know. Which just kind of makes it reek even more of some type of, dare I say, cover-up? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Fred's got a pretty good question here. Um, and this is more of a general question than a specific one to this, this story. He said he has a curious question for a curious response with anybody that may want to get involved. What would your reaction be if we had found out that the government is actually holding alien prisoners uh, as well as uh, maybe alien alien children? Um he thinks that, that that we are uh, as a human race. What's so, your answer to that? What would your response? Well, be? he's asking for our reaction. What would your reaction be not if it were true? Surprised in one little iota, Fred? No, not really. I mean, I think at first, as as a human and knowing how humans kind of operate, mm -hmm. if one reason or another, heck, I don't even think you would need a specific reason. What I was going to say is if, if they could communicate in a way that we could understand, yeah. then uh, they may have treated them a little different. But even so, um, 
I don't know though, because if we when when people of the quote unquote civilized world started happening upon the the natives of like South America and Africa and stuff like that, uh, well, we took the Africans into slavery. Europeans did and shipped them over to the Caribbean and all that. Um, but in this respect, it would be more scientific because even though these people, we knew these people were human, they just considered them at the time subhuman, thus yeah. more slave like than anything. But with extraterrestrials. There'd probably there'd be a litany of reasons to keep them as prisoners. So oh, sure. I mean, oh, yeah. for a scientific study, how did they how do they, how do they traverse the universe or however they're mm-hmm. coming from? What kind not, of knowledge do they have? Yeah, not only from a technological standpoint, but from a biological standpoint, how do their bodies withstand it? Because we have multiple issues trying mm-hmm. to ascertain the same information just yeah. going to the moon and back, mm-hmm. let alone anything like that. So what what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I definitely my my response would. My, in all honesty, my response would be, I told you so. (laughs) That would kind of, that would kind of be my response. There's even movies that reference it. Yeah. A few movies. Yeah. And TV shows even that show them keeping like, uh, American dad, Roger, Mm -hmm. he escaped from the FBI and then Paul. Yeah. Oh yeah. I love that movie. That's a great movie. Independence Day. Yeah. Independence Day. If, if MIBs come to my door. Swear to God, I'm going to call both of you. Cool. I'll be Need here. you here in five minutes. I'll probably be at work. I'll come. I'll leave work. Alex is like, if I'm at work, man, I can't leave work. The I will happily what? leave work. The difference is, is her, her her work is like 10 minutes away. I could be like three hours away. I don't care. If, on I, route, I, I, so if I call you, if I call you and I'm like, Alex, MIB, we'll I want you to drive him. I want you to do what I don't, I don't, I want you to get to me. I mean, I want you to break the sound barrier in how okay, fast you okay. are flying to get to me. Just split the cars oh in my half gosh. and just keep going. Do we, uh, do we have any, that's where the story, your story ends, correct? That's where we're wrapping <laughs> that's, up? That's the end yeah. of the story. Do we have yeah. any last minute thoughts at all? Anybody? Well, I want to know, what do you guys think? Do you believe, what do you, how do you, what do you feel about this case? Do you feel like, okay, this, you know, kind of sounds like it might be true. Or do you feel like the people of 1897 in Aurora, Texas are just like out here smoking the the wacky weed and seeing UFOs crash and alien bodies? I think it's true. I mean, just from based what we've read and seen pictures and the eyewitness accounts alone, it's, I mean, 91-year-old woman. Yeah, okay, fine. Yep. There may be some, you know. She might have a little bit of senility going on, but but, you know. She was. She recalled it from when she was fifteen. She did, and she so, remembered her parents saying, "A that the body was definitely the size of a small human or a child, mm-hmm. and that they bear they gave it a Christian burial burial yeah. in the cemetery." So again, that collaborated reports that we had earlier from the actual eighteen ninety seven article yep and then the 10 year old boy the 10 year old boy his dad Charlie. wouldn't let him leave for we're not some reason. going we're not going charlie we gotta do the chores have to get it done first get in there and milk that cow yeah. or you know whatever so yeah i think it's i think it's 100 percent true so we've got two yeses what do you think overall i think it points to something pretty interesting i dun, mean dun, dun. we all agree <laughs> i mean ulti- ultimately like being 1897 i mean we don't have this 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 predi- predilection for just all out saying that it's not that it's that's faked or some somehow. I mean, it seems pretty legitimate. Some somebody, uh, multiple people saw things happen, and at the time they didn't have any real, how do you say it, uh, biased opinion on what it could 
be because of previous experiences or TV shows that they've watched. Yeah. Obviously, that's that that was a, a non should have been a non factor anyway. <laughs> I clicked Jeremy out there. Um, thanks, Jeremy. Anyway, <laughs> no, I clicked him off. Um, Trista but, says she believes it's true. But then, like, there's other little things on there that does that has to make you think. Well, that is kind of weird, though. Like, it died with relatively little fanfare. Yeah. I mean, it became a local legend, even though this was a pretty steadfast case of. I'm gonna keep going back to it. Either otherworldly beings or the devil. I mean. I don't care what you think, but yeah. evidently they didn't think it was the devil. And boy, if it were the devil, then it would be worldwide news in 1897. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Instead of people just going, eh, whatever. It was a little man. He crashed. Yeah. He did, yeah. obviously didn't know how to fly his, his machine. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let us know in the comments, guys, what you think. If you're watching the live right now, let us know in the comments. Yep. Even if not, if you're, listening, you if you're listening on the audio uh, side of this on our Tuesday release, uh, hit us up with a comment on our Facebook page. We also have an Instagram uh, as well as Twitter. Uh, the Instagram and or, yeah, the Instagram and Facebook are Supernatural Tendencies Podcast. Um, and then at Twitter, we are at Weird and Scary if you want to get us get at us there. We also have a brand new website. Ta-da! Well, it's got, I got a couple little things to fix on it's, it yet, It's still but... under construction. Uh, you can go check it out if it's you... It's mostly done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> There's some little things we got to get in and out of there. And it is www.supernaturaltendenciespodcast.com. We are official. So it looks pretty good. Uh, it's pretty easy to navigate. It's pretty interesting stuff. Throw in your email there if you want a newsletter. You want to be incorporated a little more. Yep, you can sign up for our email. Yep, and you can easily there. easily get to our merch section in there. Um, it is a T-Public-based... Platform in in that so uh, we uh, it's no longer on sale. I think I posted this past weekend where they had a flash sale for like fourteen hours where you could get everything um, at a severely discounted rate. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was half off, but it was a pretty Ouch. good percentage off. Um, I try to post those in our group. If you're not a part of our group, uh, come over over on Facebook and join us there. Same thing, Supernatural Tendencies Podcast Group, um, and I will be trying to post that when I can uh, when we have those. Uh, we would highly suggest that you only buy merchandise on sale that's what we would do and that's what we recommend you do what was that oh dear lord i don't know what happened i don't know what that was that's fantastic uh but like i said <laughs> if you'd like to support us it's no obligation at all feel, feel obligated in no way to do it but if you want to we do got some pretty cool stuff on there we only have two designs we have our our flagship logo that just says supernatural tendencies podcast and then we got a little one with uh, some ufos on it Kind of simple, kind of cool. Uh, you can get them on coffee mugs. You can get them on phone on cases, phone cases, laptop cases. They got a bunch of stuff. You can get the masks, hoodies. Oh yeah, we got the little masks now. Yep, yeah, got the masks on there for all your states that uh, may require them when you're out and about. You can represent. Represent. Yes. <laughs> yeah, anyway. and don't forget too, guys. Uh, if you want even more paranormal fun stuff and knowledge, be sure to join our group on Facebook, Supernatural Tendencies. We post all kinds of paranormal stories things like that fun stuff so if you're a fan be sure to join our community there on facebook heck yeah we also did change our uh, email account we did we did re-record our outro to not only include miss christina but also to update our uh <coughs> rather long old email so uh from here on out uh, we will be saying it it is uh stpc so supernatural tendencies podcast all lowercase all lowercase so stpc media at gmail.com so hopefully it's a little bit easier for you guys to remember again if you have any stories any comments any critiques or anything like that 
go ahead and shoot us an email and we'll be sure to incorporate it. We don't get many of them, so I'm getting a little lonely. I mean, I get, I get <laughs> a lot. cold out here in the email. I get a lot from, like, bands and stuff, which is awesome. I'm not saying anything about that. But just from the common listener just saying what's up or, hey, I got this crazy story. I don't get a lot of those. So Yeah, yeah. And one last time, also, we are starting up that new segment called, uh, well, we're calling Midweek Mischief. Um, where we're going to be interviewing uh, podcasters, artists, creators, any type of something that you have a fan base for, you may want to get out to some other ears. Um, all we're asking for is for you to share a paranormal like, extraterrestrial story with us. Kind of sit down. We'll do the uh, interview over StreamYard. We're shooting for for interviewing on Saturdays, but obviously we want we want your interview. So any day that you may have have available, we'll probably do. Unless unless I probably have to say no to what Sunday from noon to six because that's usually when we yeah. do this stuff. Um, but just about any other day after five during the week, uh, we'll get together and um, we'll cross promote a little bit. We want to hear your stories. We want to we want to do what we can to help uh, help out fan bases and have other people see your cool stuff as well. So, and look, there's Oscar, the podcast cat. Aww, Oscar. <laughs> so with, with that, is the, the end house cleaning done? That is it. Okay. That is all for this week. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, guys. Thank you for joining us. It's been a fantastic show. And the and the first completed show for Christina. Yay. Yay. <laughs> she didn't die and she didn't have a meltdown. Not yet. That's no. fantastic <laughs> to see. Anyway, for myself, Alex, I'll let them do theirs. It's been a fantastic time to, uh, seeing you again this week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> We'd like to thank you one last time for joining us this week. If you have any questions, comments, critiques, or stories you'd like to share, please email us at stpcmedia at gmail.com. If hearing us isn't enough... Be sure to check out our website at www.supernaturaltendenciespodcast.com. Also, join us on the socials, Supernatural Tendencies Podcast, on both Facebook and Instagram, as well as Twitter, at Weird and Scary. While we do keep our content as free as we possibly can, if you would like to support the show monetarily, check out our Tee Public account by searching Supernatural Tendencies on Tee Public. We have shirts hoodies, coffee mugs, and phone cases, among many other things. Don't want to spend money? We'll gladly take reviews. No money needs to be spent if you hop on your podcast platform and give us a rating and review. Either way, we would be eternally grateful. If you get bored before next week's episode, be sure to join our Facebook group where many other like-minded people share stories and laughs until the show airs again. This has been Christy. Alex and Christina. See you next time. Bye. And here it is again. The musician's spotlight of the week, right after the new outro that we recorded with the lovely Christina with us. How'd it feel? Pretty great. Yeah, pretty little, great. A little nerve-wracking at first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you seem a little apprehensive. <laughs> so this will be her first musician's spotlight. So we've uh, we've actually had our last, I believe last, Miss Alicia Adams from White Elephant Records up there in, I think, Grand Rapids it was. I think she's provided us, like, what, four or five Yeah, quite bands. a few. I think this is the last one she had sent us, unless I'm wrong, I'll have to double check it, with Overdrive Orchestra, um, another Michigan native band. Uh, we just listened to the song, which is oddly, oddly catering to our... <laughs> uh fan base here i know uh which is called specter so uh and and the actual overall music itself kind of is 
Well, you, would you describe it as haunting? Pleasantly haunting. Pleasantly haunting. So like if you were driving on a desert, on a desolate desert road at night, this is the song that you would want to have playing. <laughs> okay. You know, driving a convertible with the top down and the, the night air and the stars and that, mu- it'd just be perfect. Dark desert you know, that's hi- just me. A dark desert highway? <laughs> on a, Yeah. The cool wind in your hair? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Or this song. Either or, or song. would be perfectly great choices. Back to back, it'd be fine. Yes. Right? What do you think about it, Christina? Just put it on loop. I like the kind of like cool little, it sounded like not very peaceful, but like you could just kind, kind of, of zone. Yeah. You yeah. cruise to it and yeah. relax at the same time, but also feel. Like a hypnotic distance yeah. almost. Yeah. No, it was really good. I liked it too. Very, very psychedelic while being like yeah. digestible. Sometimes a lot of psychedelic music. Um. Man, I'll tell you, one of my favorite songs of all time is um, Magic Carpet Ride by uh, Steppenwolf. Yeah. And I love the entire song. And I'm cool with about, like, the first what? Until it gets to 20, the 20 freaking minutes of yeah. acid trip stuff. <laughs> and I can only last for so long. I'm like, okay, come on. I just want to hear the, <clears throat> I like to dream <laughs> right between the sound machine. Like, I'm just, it's just too long. But this this song is easily an easily digestible kind of psychedelic feel to it. Right? I've never you know? heard the Magic Carpet Ride. Are but... you? What? <laughs> Yeah, I've you never get, listened oh, to it. My God, you're gonna get held down <laughs> and just headphones forced on your ears over that song. We're gonna oh get my. we're gonna get hate. I mean, I'll listen to it willingly. This. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just never heard it. That's all right. Anyway, um, even though we we're coming out of I don't want to say coming out of the pandemic because we're really not coming out of it, but a lot more uh places are kind of opening up even with the the social distancing six feet mask thing. So uh they may I'm gonna assume they may be thinking about decently soon, but as of now they don't have anything planned coming up. Um I would expect them to be in the around the Michigan area. Uh they don't think they quite specify in their profile as to where they're from, but I'd imagine it'd be the same general area as White Elephant being Grand Rapids, uh over on the uh what is it that the west side of michigan-ish um muskegon area whatever so if you uh if you get the time after we after we fully open back up to go out and check those those peoples out they have i think they have like five band members but they have like 17 people that they've collaborated with so they have like just a bunch of influencers on any given song so that's awesome to anybody listening right now get give them uh, a like on facebook give them a listen on spotify um any way you can support them do that please we uh we implore you to please am i the only one imploring you guys aren't imploring? Please, <laughs> Thank please. you. Jeez. <laughs> My gosh, help an artist out once in a while, even if it's not take a pandemic to do so. Give a review. Yeah. Give a comment. Yeah. Throw your money at them. Yeah. Any yeah. of the above work. Either way. Either way. Anyway, without further ado today, one last time, we have Overdrive Orchestra with a song Spectre. Here it is. Sick of 